This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. This is the Adam Gold Show. That's Brendan Witted from the League Pass Lair, also at HUCosell on Twitter, BisonExpress.org. You can read his writing there. You can check out the YouTube channel as well. All right. I wanted to do this, and we're going to place bets, and we're going to um, – what else were we going to do? We're just going to place bets. Oh, we're going to do wall of sound. Uh, but – We can do everything. We can do everything. Right. I don't even have to have a reason. We can do whatever we want. That Wasn't you're, that from a line from uh, Caddyshack? Yeah. Right? I don't even have to have a reason. Is that one year go-to? Like, do you love Caddyshack? I'm just trying yeah, to Yeah, but it's to... not a movie I watch over and over and okay. over again. Okay. He doesn't need to because he can quote the whole thing. Pretty much. Uh <laughs> Stripes might be a better movie than Caddyshack. Stripes is a better movie than Caddyshack. Stripes is amazing. That's good. Razzle-dazzle. <laughs> if we were Germany, you'd have to make my bet. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, Oceans, all the Oceans movies. Oh, yeah. They're undefeated. So you became a soccer fan during the World Cup. I did. Well, I had started watching Arsenal a little bit, EPL stuff. Okay. It's a good way to wake up Saturday morning, get my sports fix in. I'm just a, addicted to sports. You but like, like Arsenal? Are you, are you, oh, no, are I'm, you I'm a Gunners I'm a, guy? Uh, yeah. Like okay. this, this is my first full year of watching watching EPL, and I'm like, yo, this is really fun. And all my friends, have we've all like picked teams now, which makes it even better because now I can just yell at them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, for no reason so at you, all. Do you, now that you're an Arsenal fan, do you hate Tottenham already? I haven't see. I haven't gotten the rivalries yet. My okay, rivalries are rivalry. whomever my friends are rooting for. I hate them and despise them and wish bad things for okay. them and only them. All right, fine. <laughs> like I'm a Liverpool guy. I, okay. I but I like Arsenal a it's, lot. It's, it's a lot. Like I, I hate Gabriel uh, Jesus got uh, injured. I don't know how long he's supposed to be out. Depending on who you read, yeah, could be three months. He had surgery. He, he yeah, he was huge for us. Tremendous. Uh, and having the World Cup. Dead smack dab in the middle of this particular giant. And he wasn't even playing. That's nope. the thing that got me is that he wasn't even really featured for Brazil. Then he played in the their last group stage match because mm-hmm. it didn't matter. Right. They ended up losing uh, that match. And that was – was that Morocco? I think that uh, – well, I don't remember. I don't it was Morocco. Mo- but they lost the match. Regardless yeah. of who, who it was they, they played, they lost that match. And, uh, and now he's out. Which is a, a bummer yeah. for Arsenal because they don't have as much depth up front. Right. They've got, I mean, Saka's great Sokka's and Martinelli amazing. is also great. He also didn't play until that yeah. match uh, as well. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm a Liverpool. My son is mad that I have become a soccer fan because he was a soccer fan before me. Oh, so and now I watch like you. way <laughs> more soccer than he does. So, um, yeah. So That's I a just, nice little reversal of stuff. I'm sure you were the one watching stuff before him. And yeah. And so now he watches stuff. And so like, so that's a nice little, that's a fun reversal. And he doesn't even want to talk to me about it now. Nice. He's, he's legitimately mad at me <laughs> that I I care. I, I 100% care. And I will say this, and I don't think the people are wrong who criticize me on Twitter for pretending that I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? It's what we usually do when we get in front of these mics. It's exactly right. <laughs> you have to sell it. Um, Don't tell the people. But I kind of feel like I know what I'm talking about a little bit. I mean, I'm I mean, not... honestly, I see the 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 common the connection between that and hockey. I think that's what probably what makes it because in terms of just like the balance of the t- like you know how how things are start forming up and you can see stuff happening before it does. I can see mm-hmm. that being like a like a connection point for you to be like, oh, okay. I think soccer is way more random hmm. than hockey. Hmm. 
And and hockey's random. Hockey seems pretty random, so I, I'm interested to figure out why you think soccer is more random. I just think that it's way harder to score. Oh, the yeah. goal is gigantic. Yeah, and we still can't score. Yeah, and I mean, we, it's watch it's also way harder. This is the first World Cup, first men's World Cup that I watched like this, and like seeing the difference. I didn't understand the differences, which is why I'm, I appreciate the EPL times I watched because. We are really not on that kind uh-uh. of level. Like, when people were like, oh, yeah, you know, like, we're just, like, a little bit behind. I'm like, we still got people can kick. We got cleats. We'll be all right. No. 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 We're not. My bad, guys. Total different <laughs> level. It is a completely different level. All right. Let's uh, let's. Let's place let's place some bets. Place your bets. Place totally your forgot bets. the format of the show. I bet you slice into the woods it's, all right. bucks. it's Friday. Who cares? Exactly, it's Friday. Wait, it's what? Okay, you can All right, I lost I lost my soccer wager yesterday. I had Blackburn beating Nottingham Forest in an uh, EFL Cup match, but that you're, didn't you're, work. Now you're just saying Robin Hood stuff now. Right, you're exactly. Just, you're just making uh, stuff now, man. So. Anyway, right? I, I will have a soccer wager today. I will definitely have a soccer wager today. All right, Brendan, yeah. you're a guest. Yeah. You go first. Sounds fantastic. All right. What do you got? Oh, um, you go first because I forgot to pull this up while we were talking. <laughs> All right. No, Dennis goes first. I go last. All right. Wake Forest, Missouri bowl game today. Oh. 6.30 tonight. Man, which which bowl is it? Great oh, question. Gasparilla. Yeah, Gasparilla. They're in the Gasparilla. I don't even know what Gasparilla is. It sounds like a beverage, but. Sure. We'll go um, with that. Sam Hartman, over two and a half touchdown passes, plus 130. Really? Yeah. Over two. He's trying to impress people. He might go pro. He might just slide into the portal and leave. Yeah. One of the two is going to happen. I don't think he's coming back to uh, to Wake Forest. Are you ready with your? Uh, no, I complete. Okay. I put it in the wrong uh, folder, it's so fine. it's fantastic. It's quite all right. Uh, I will start with a uh, soccer wager. EFL round of sixteen. This is the last match of the round of sixteen. We have Liverpool playing at Man City. Liverpool dearly did get the short end of the round of sixteen in the Champions League. They're playing Real Madrid in the round of sixteen. Um, look, I think City's going to win this match, but we're just going to go this way. Each team to score in the first half. That match starts in about 45 minutes. Each team to score in the first half at plus 235. City hosting Liverpool there. City's way better than Liverpool, even though Liverpool did win the earlier match this year. Are we still waiting on you, Brent? I got it. All right. All right. So I'm I'm definitely taking – it doesn't have to be today's stuff, right? No, you like, can do okay. whatever you want. Uh, I'm definitely taking that 17 and a half – that was mentioned earlier. <laughs> over, L- like, Louisville L- plus 17 L- 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 Yeah. Like, it's, no, I'm telling you. It's, something weird is going to happen. 100%. All right. Uh, Oregon State, I saw them play uh, earlier this year. I like them. They're, they're getting 10 versus Florida. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and do that. That's that's the thing that I'm going to do. And then, um, ooh. Mm. Yep, Boise State. Boise State's getting 10 and a half versus North Texas. All right. He's that's just- what I'm I'm just, I'm like, he I just threw it all yeah, out there. Yeah, like, give all the best. Ma- machine yeah. gun, machine gun style. Yeah. All right, Dennis, you're up. Martin H's scores tonight, plus 210. Anytime goal for Martin Anytime Natchez? goal. All right, I like it. All right, we are, uh, we are go- going to also do the NC State basketball game tonight. Uh, we are taking Louisville plus the 17 and a half, but parlaying that with over 144 and a half. 
so we can jack the value up to plus 265. There you go. I don't like doing even money bets. I don't like taking favorites to at minus money. The whole point is to grow the coffer. Mm-hmm. The whole point. And I am at plus 92.75 for the year, so. I have a bet on that game as well. Sure. Louisville leads at halftime, plus 530. Oh, and no finger. I've over under fingernails left for NC State fans. Zero. Take the under. Yeah. Um, all right. My final wager for the evening, and this will close the segment, and we'll, uh, we'll say goodbye to Brendan Witted. We had a football, NFL football game tonight. Oh, oh yeah. Man, I completely forgot. Jaguars at Eve. the Jets. Ooh. Yes. Jaguars plus two and a half um, and over 37. How is it possible that the over-under is 37? Jacksonville's been scoring. I know the Jets have a good defense. But I think it's going to take a bunch of points to win this Who's game. Start for quarterback? Is Zach Wilson? Who's Zach Wilson start? will start a quarterback. Jets are going to have to. I don't think the Jets are going to roll over. I think this will be a good football game. Okay. Uh, we'll take the Jaguars plus the two and a half uh, and over 37 at plus 265. Okay. I think Jaguars are going to win the game. Yeah, I think the Jaguars will win too. That, that over is. I mean, 37. The that's Jets, low. Jets, I mean, but the Jets have been really bad. On yeah, offense. but even that, last week they scored, what, 17 points or something like that. True. So I think Jag, the Jaguars are going to score some points. They've been they've been scoring. They, I mean, I, I, I said Jag. I'm in Jets. Yeah, the Jets aren't. Yeah, they're like. I, they're, their offense is terrible, but they've been scoring points too. Okay. They've been scoring some points. With Mike White, though. I thought Mike White was the, the, the yeah, reason. He, no. he doesn't win either. <laughs> He's got busted ribs. So and he Zach has busted ribs. So Zach Wilson goes again. Hey, it's Adam Golden. I'm in studio with my friend, Coach Pete Deruta with the Capital Financial Advisory Group. Is it ever too soon to seek out you and your expertise? Really, there's no too soon. It's time to get serious. So if you're 50 or over, we call it the financial red zone. And that's when really it's time for you to take control of your money and, and make sure you have a firm on your side that's a fiduciary planning firm, which means they take your side at all times. Now, we'll do this for the next 10 of you who call. This is a $1,000 value, but I'm going to waive my planning fee to make sure you get your total retirement plan and you get on the right path for retirement. Call 888-843-0013, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. We thank Brendan Witted for hanging out. We covered a lot of ground. We covered a lot of topics. That was fun. We'll do that again. You know, it's what the uh, it's what the holidays are all about. Just kind of reconnecting and uh, going through some of the stuff we talked about uh, earlier in the program. Uh, CL Brown will join us in just a moment. Uh, big win, obviously, for the Tar Heels last night. We do start week sixteen of the NFL tonight. It is a it is a game in which both teams. And this comes out of nowhere. Nobody would have expected Jacksonville at the Jets in week 16 to matter. There isn't anybody that would have thought that. A week ago, who would have thought that Detroit at the New York Jets would matter? Zero people. But it did. This one matters tonight as well. If you are an Eagles fan... Jalen Hurts has been ruled out of their game against the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. So, no Jalen Hurts. That means Gardner Minshew will start, and that's cool if you are a Gardner Minshew fan. And I would say that's cool if you are a Philadelphia Eagles fan because the only thing that matters, first of all, you can beat Dallas with Gardner Minshew. 
The only thing that matters to the Philadelphia Eagles is that Jalen Hurts is healthy probably by the last game of the regular season. That's it. You know, get one get one game in, play a half in that game, and then sit around for a week because you're going to get the bye and then be ready to go the second week of the playoffs. You want them to play once because the, their first playoff game wouldn't be till January 21st. That's a long way off. That's what we get when we have 18-week seasons. All right. Uh, we also have 20-game conference schedules, which, my gosh, that's too many. North Carolina didn't play a conference game last night. They played at uh, in Charlotte against the University of Michigan, and that is C.L. Brown. He is a finalist for the North Carolina Sports Writer of the Year. I am proud to have him on the program. You are. Well, don't laugh. You. That is a fact. It's a facts-only program, C.L. <laughs> It is. Facts only, right? Fact, facts only program. All right, uh, just, you know, blank slate. Your thoughts on what we saw out of the Tar Heels last night? Well, I mean, I think they, they're they beginning to form an identity here. And I think that identity starts with Armando Baycott. And he's, he's playing up to, you know, the preseason player of the year kind of expectations that that we had of him from mm-hmm. last season. I don't think he started off the season for whatever reason. I, I don't think he was really locked in to start the season. And these last four games that they've played in and he's scored 20 plus in three of those four games. Um, he's been dominant. He's been, he's been worthy of, you know, that preseason praise. And so um, it, it just makes everything flow better when they go through Armando and if they can continue that, then, you know, I think they'll continue to be to be winning games. Yeah, I think Hubert Davis talked about it after the game. He said, yeah. we, we, we have to run our offense through Armando Baycott. My, the, the way it jumps out to me is that this team's identity really needs to be the same identity as they had a year ago. Is that it's about Baycott and the switch that they made you know, later in the season to let R.J. Davis basically be the point guard and Caleb Love to be off the ball more. I mean, that's pr- everything else has to work through those three guys, no? Oh, for sure, for sure. And I, I think part of the problem, you know, during the games that they lost was that uh, none of the big three, if you will, was really mm-hmm. living up to, you know, their potential. And, and Caleb and R.J. still aren't necessarily shooting the ball at the at the best clip right now right. but I mean we saw RJ make four threes and I think the stat was he he'd had four threes combined in the previous three games so <laughs> if he can you know if both him and Caleb can kind of get back on track you know they were in the the mid 30 percent from three-point range last year and you know they're <laughs> they're barely like sniffing around 30 percent <laughs> this year so you know, but I, I think that will kind of take care of itself if they're beginning to play through Armando. You know, I think they'll get more open right. shots because a lot of teams will still try and double Armando. And and probably the biggest number from last night is zero turnovers from Armando. Yeah. And something that has been plaguing him this season is, is you know, passing out of double teams or or when he's trying to dribble through and figure out what he's going to do when he sees a double team coming, he hasn't really handled it very well, but he did last night, although I didn't th- feel like Michigan probably doubled as much as some right. other teams have. But, uh, you know, he's if he can keep that turnover count low, um, then, you know, then and, and as a team, I feel like 
their turnovers probably this season. They're they're probably turning it over at a higher clip than they should be because, uh, well, because of whatever reason. Because I feel like it's a lot of silliness sometimes. Uh-huh. I mean, we even saw last night. I think it was uh, Pete Nance throwing to RJ on the wing or vice versa, and you know somebody zigged when they should have zagged, and the ball just sails out of bounds. You know, like it's kind of miscommunication still, but. Um, I, I think they'll still get that worked out as, as we head into January and, and ACC play kicks up. CL Brown from the News and Observer is joining us. He covers the Tar Heels. You can follow him on Twitter at CL Brown Hoops. I wonder what kind of an impact, you know, maybe future NBA uh, thoughts had in Baycott or, or uh, Caleb Love at the beginning of the season. And, uh, and the reason I bring that up, uh, more so for Baycott than Love, is that I was listening to the Draymond Green podcast. I don't even know how long ago it was. And he said that everybody, every big man in the in the NBA, everyone can hit a three. And I wonder how much Baycott, you know, wanted to show that he can have more of a game from, say, 18 feet and beyond as opposed to where he generally does operate, which is near the basket. Well, I mean, I, I didn't really feel like that's been a problem for him this year because we haven't really seen him take a lot of out out of character shots. And I don't know what the stat, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I, I would gather he hasn't attempted you know, more than three three-pointers all season. Yeah, but not even threes, you know? right? Maybe just some uh, some longer well, twos. I mean, okay. I don't even think he's really taken a lot of those. I, my, I, my, my feeling with Armando was that he just wasn't aggressive. It, it was okay. almost like he just didn't have the hunger. Like, I felt like more like I was starting to question was the NIL opportunities he had and everything that kind of took him away from basketball did that hurt him when he came into the season? Cause it just didn't seem like it just didn't seem like he had that same want to like, right. I am going to assert myself and be dominant. It seemed more like, more like this is, uh, you know, I did what I did last year and I'm going to continue to do that just by showing up. That's, that's more right. kind of the feel that I had for him than him necessarily trying to show off NBA skills or whatever. Cause to me, in the NBA, they want to see you do something and do it at a better level than everybody else. Right. So if he if rebounding is his thing, if that's what he just hones in on and makes rebounding his thing, there's a market for that. You know, I mean, <laughs> yes, it's, it's definitely <laughs> going to be smaller than if he could shoot threes. Right. You know, but uh, but th- there would be an opportunity. But I mean, I still feel like you know, it's probably still going to be a long shot for him and guys like uh, uh, Oscar Toshiboy from Kentucky and Mm -hmm. Andrew Timmy at Gonzaga just because they, you know, they have a game that's better suited for 20 years ago and 30 years ago in the NBA than what the the league is now. I think we found that out really with Jaleel Okafor. Remember that? Remember that guy? I mean, look, he, they don't, they're kind of, they don't have that guy anymore. That guy, that guy doesn't play in the league as good a college player uh, as he was, uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on North Carolina's bench? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I still feel like Hubert has to find a way to utilize it because I think the help is there. 
Um, and, you know, we see Puff and, and mm -hmm. Seth Trimble now. Um, I think they are solidified in the rotation in every game they're going to get, you know, pretty good minutes. Um, and I think DeMarco Dunn, when he comes back from his injury, I, I felt like he was just starting yeah. to really get in the groove when he got hurt. So it was, it was unfortunate timing for him. But I think he will be that third guy for sure off the bench that, that you know, Hubert Davis trusts and will always use. But after that is where it comes into question. Like, you know, I mean, I think Dontrez Styles is somebody who could really, really help. And with Hubert Davis talking about wanting to extend pressure and, you know, play that trapping full court press a little bit more, because we've seen it work. We saw it work against Virginia Tech when they came back from down 18. We saw it work against Ohio State when they came back to, to tie that game and send it into overtime. I mean, without the... Without the press, they don't win that game, period. And so, um, but he needs the bodies to keep yeah. everybody, you know, make sure everybody stays fresh. And so I feel like the bodies are there. <laughs> you know, Tyler Nickel has played well in spots. He's going to have to make some shots because, you know, he's supposed to be a scorer and a shooter. And he's he's shown that in flashes. But, you know, against what the Citadel is when he had his, his big game. But, um you know, against Ohio State, he comes out and he misses two three-pointers that were pretty good looks. Mm -hmm. So he's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to do what he's supposed to do, obviously. <laughs> but I, I think he's got to have opportunity to do it, you know. Yeah. So he was going to have to figure that out because this team can't be another Iron Five kind of team. I mean, I think he's – I think Hubert's tendency is to lean towards these five, maybe a sixth – and maybe not so much. I think that's his tendency. Um, hopefully it'll be I, – I mean, if it's, whatever helps them win, that's the only thing that matters. If the only way they're going to win is to trust six guys, then I think Hubert will do that. And I like I liked fiery Hubert Davis, by the way. I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan. He's never going to be – He was pretty animated last good night. Good for him. Good for yeah. him. I like the passion. Uh, I like you, C.L. Brown. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. If I don't Merry speak Christmas. to you before Appreciate then, we'll it. talk to you very soon. All right. Thanks for having me. You got it. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open May 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at the designery.com. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Steve Cohen has $17.5 billion and figuratively, although close to literally, he has given most of it to baseball players to play for his baseball team. He happens to own the New York Mets. They absolutely broke the internet 
the other day when they signed in the middle of the night Carlos Correa, former Houston shortstop, played last year for the Minnesota Twins, 11 years, 312 years, $315 million. And Elliot Johnson joins us, who I, I think was the second choice behind uh, Carlos Correa for that contract. Uh, I'm sorry you lost out. Um, what do you what do you make of what Steve Cohen is doing and why it makes maybe not every major league baseball owner mad, but most of them? Well, I think it's clear that um, there, you know anytime we go into these CBA negotiations, it's the you know small market teams against the large market teams, Adam. And I think this is what they're trying to discourage. Uh, because a lot of the owners don't necessarily have the piggy bank that Steve has. And uh, they don't like that he is running this in a way that <laughs> money is no object for him. Right. And he's going to go out there. I wouldn't say that he's being reckless because if he was being reckless, what he would be doing is simultaneously trading away his young talent while right. adding major league talent. He's not doing that. He's going to not to the bargain rack, he's going to the top of the luxury items and paying top dollar and outbidding everybody else. I mean, that's why they got Verlander, that's why they have Scherzer, and that's why they now have Correa. Um, you could even make an argument that he overpaid for Francisco Lindor um, mm -hmm. because if he had waited and let him go to free agency, I don't think that his, uh, his contract demands would have been as robust because he didn't have a great platform year. Uh, leading into that potential free agency. So I, I think that it's great for baseball. Uh, I think it's it's ripping a kind of uh, veil back from the small market organizations that claim they can't spend money. They can. They choose not to. Right. And I think that there's more behind it than that, Adam. I think like in Oakland's case, I think they're either trying to move out or trying to get a new stadium or both. And uh, I think the Rays case, you're probably seeing the same thing. They're trying to get a new stadium or move out or both. And I think that by not spending money, um, they're trying to show that, um, you know, you're going to have to get taxpayers to fund their stadiums if you want them, if you want baseball to stay in those markets. Elliot Johnson is joining us here on the Adam Goats. We have a lot of issues there wrapped up in or, uh, you know, kind of brought to the surface because Steve Cohen just wants to win baseball games and he is clearly not interested in the Mets turning a profit for him at the turnstile, he wants to win because if you play the long game here, winning is the most important thing. Winning gets you fans, gets you more attention, makes you more money, should pay for itself, but it also raises your franchise value. We just saw the Phoenix Suns sold for $4 billion. You know, I mean, the Mets or the Yankees or a Major League Baseball franchise – is the values, they automatically rise when the Phoenix Suns go for $4 billion. I, I This is what I get from fans of other teams. Well, it's unfair. Well, here's what's unfair from my perspective. It's, uh, there, are, there are now 12 franchises in Major League Baseball that will have salaries, payrolls, that are less than the Mets' luxury tax bill. Now, that's not a... It's unfair that those teams choose to spend no money. With Major League Baseball generating all the revenue that it does and distributing revenue to each team, 
shouldn't everybody's payroll be about 150 million at least? Um, so this was something that came up, Adam, was having a minimum or a floor on how much you had to spend. Right. Um, the problem with that is what the, the players didn't want was the ceiling. Okay? Right. You can't have one without have the other. You can't have a yeah, floor without a ceiling. I, I, get, I get it. But so if, if we had had that, we wouldn't have this exciting, you know, think about it. We're talking about it right now. It's an exciting time to be a Mets fan. It's an exciting time to be a baseball fan because, um, you know, he's he's not going out there and just trying to, you know, take his time and build it. You know, we're talking about a multi-billionaire who gets what he wants when he wants and he wants a <laughs> right. championship. You know, I mean, this guy literally, you know, one of the few things, you know, that you you can have there's very few things that you that money can't buy in this world and getting a championship is something that he cares about um i think you could probably argue that he's trying to pay for one um yeah. he'll never get one as a player of course but he's going out there and doing what you know what we used to complain about george steinbrenner doing back in the day now that the boss is gone steve cohen's kind of taking that void and he's looks like he's going to satisfy that villain role in major league baseball yeah and look I'm okay with it, and I was okay with George Steinbrenner doing it because I know this is going to surprise people. It doesn't guarantee you anything. It just doesn't. Because when the Yankees were winning their four out of five, four championships in five years, it wasn't that they bought it. They built it. They built it through their system. They, They augmented through free agency, but they didn't even go big splash until the very end of it. I mean, the truth of the matter is that the Yankees were built, not bought, that that Yankee team. Um, and buying it doesn't always win. Boston's tried it, and they have done better when they have done uh, sort of the, the journeyman-type players. Um, it, it hasn't always gone well. It doesn't guarantee anything. I'm looking at the last year's top payrolls in baseball. I mean, the Dodgers had a great season, but they didn't win it. So nobody remembers that. Mets had a great season until the end. Didn't win it. They were second in payroll. The Yankees were third. Philly, for most of the year, they didn't look like they were going to win. And then all of a sudden they did. Uh, Padres got in, beat the Mets, but ultimately it died. Uh, Red Sox were awful. So it just doesn't guarantee anything. You still have to go out and play the game. And there's 162 games uh, in everybody's schedule. And it's just... It's not the. It's not the. It's not. It's not just not the only way to win. It might not be the best way to win. Yeah, and you remember so those Yankees teams. Remember, it was Jeter was coming up and young and inexpensive. Yeah. Posada was young and inexpensive on that team. Mariano was just right. breaking in and was unhittable. So you've got three really really good ball players, and then they sup- supplemented in with the Gary Sheffields and the Raul Mondesi's from time to time. Um, you know, but by and large, you can't just buy the team. It's not going to work. Um, he's doing everything he can to make them good right now, but he's not sacrificing the right. future while doing that. So that, that's one of the things for, for people to understand what they're trying to do. Um, you could argue that trading off Pete Crow Armstrong for Javi Baez was a was a terrible move because that <laughs> sacrificed the future. Right. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's, there's other things that have been done. Uh, that aren't great, but I think that by and large, this is good for baseball. It's good for him to come in and show what it's like to, and, and what an owner's presence can do. Because, I mean, I know you lived through it, the Wilpon family versus the, the Cohen worst. family owner in an organization. 
I mean, it tells you everything about how the organization is going to be run, what they're going to do, and the culture that they're going to establish in terms of what they expect. My, my problem with the Wilpons was that he took a personal financial loss and used the team, and not just the sale of the team. He used the team while he owned it to rebuild his own personal wealth, and that shouldn't that shouldn't be the case. I mean, uh, I have no problem with Steve uh, Steve Cohen if he wants to supplement uh, the team. Like I know Tom Dundon. I'll use this example: Tom Dundon, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. You know, the the team has lost money each year he's owned them. They lose less money now than they did before, uh, and he personally supplements uh, the the team for the losses. He he covers that personally. It's not an enormous number. Um, and I don't know what the Mets operating revenue is going to be, but I'll bet they can cover the payroll. I'll bet they can cover $500 million in, uh, because that's also going to be the luxury tax uh, penalty. What are teams doing with that? Do you think Elliot, what are they doing with the, you know, if the Mets are going to contribute about $15 million to uh, all the revenue sharing, you know, re- the revenue uh, gaining teams through this policy. What do you think those teams are doing with it? Well, so you bring up a great point. I mean, the, the goal of it was supposedly to allow them to make it more competitive. Because if you think about it, if it is com- the competitive tax, um, you're supposed to reinvest that into your team because mm-hmm. they want the games to be more competitive. They want them to be closer. They, you know, because, you know, I don't know if, if, like you, Adam, if this is what I do. If the game's close, you know, it's hard for me to go anywhere. Yes. But if it's if it's already a blowout, I mean, I mean, I'll come back. Maybe I'll go to the the uh, concession stand, whatever the case may be. If I'm watching on TV, I, I don't even really want to watch it if it's a blowout. But if it's close, I mean, there's nothing more exciting than a game being a walk off or the last play dictating it, whatever it may be. I mean, those are the best games of all time. I mean, if I'm watching college football on Saturday. I don't care what the rankings are. If it's close down to the end, I'm watching that game. So if you want more involvement, more fan involvement, it makes more sense to distribute that money and reinvest it into the team. But teams like the Pirates, uh, teams like the Marlins historically, they just take that money and pocket it and then never seen again. I mean, the the Major League Baseball just spun off a a, uh, company from their uh, social media uh, that they'd been generating, and every team owner got about thirty million dollars. You know, there's no nobody's talking about that, and that's right. before we started the season, and we're already comp- there. You know, all the whispers are already talking about how unfair it is, and complaining, and whining, and crying. You know, I mean, we're literally taught in as you're coming up, if you don't like it, play better. Well, that motto can extend to the owners too, Adam. I, it's funny how many comments I get from people. This is why baseball needs a salary cap. I just went, why would they need a salary cap? Because if you think a salary cap leads to competitive balance, then you don't know what the salary cap is for. The salary cap just artificially tamps down salaries. It keeps more money in the pockets of the owners. Now, you may be in, people may be in favor of that. and But let's just say it, that the owners need to keep more of the money. But nobody goes to watch Steve Cohen own. And in a, forget about being a Mets fan. Um the players deserve the money. I don't, I'm against salary caps in every sport. Uh, I think the Major League Baseball, with the luxury tax the way it is, I mean, for a lot of teams, does act like a salary cap. Clearly it doesn't for Steve Cohen, but hey, 
He knew that going in. He he embraces the Steve Cohen tax, the fourth threshold of the luxury tax, doesn't he? Uh, clearly, I don't think he cares. He, it, it doesn't bother him if there's something if there's something shiny enough, and he knows it's going to help his team. I mean, and he's not making these decisions lightly, Adam. I mean, he's he's making sure that he pays attention to whether or not there's value for what he's talking about. Even like his comments about the draft, where he knows that he can get a luxury item and make five times that investment right away mm-hmm. because it's so inexpensive. Even even the first pick in the draft is still really, really inexpensive relative to right. the amount of production that you could get from them. There, now, there's risk associated, of course, but you know Carlos Correa has been a great player for a really long time. He's going to fit in really, really well culturally. I think the thing that we haven't talked about is the black eye that this has created for the San Francisco Giants organization that you know they were about ready to announce this signing and what he was going to do for that team, that organization. And, you know, within the span of a very short amount of time, he's now a New York Met, and everybody's complaining that he had somewhere else to go. I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think it talks about the dysfunction that's going on with the Giants right now. Right. Um, really unfortunate. Uh, we'll, we'll close on that, but I, I want you to just expand on it a little bit. What did the Giants do wrong, or what could they have done better that would have gotten them out of this situation with Carlos Correa, because my understanding was it was flagged medically, and then they w- they probably went back and tried to rework the deal. Uh, I, 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 hiding behind medicals is one of the dumbest things in the world. I can't stand it. Um, you know, I, I think it's really they got buyer's remorse out of him. Okay. They didn't want him. They didn't want to extend the, the money to him. Now, his, his bat doesn't play as well in San Francisco as it does in Houston. That's for sure. Um, it doesn't play as well as it does in Minnesota. That is for sure. So I think they realized that what they were paying for wasn't going to be what they were going to get. And then, you know, but really the embarrassing thing is, you know, is Crawford, what a professional, just went ahead and and, and let everybody know that he was okay with moving over. And so the, the culture hit that they're going to have to take and, uh, now in that clubhouse after doing that, because he's such a beloved member of that yeah. team and he's earned it, Adam. And it's not like he's not good. He's a freaking really good baseball yep. player. So. They've got a lot of things going on. They're going to have to deal with that, but it, it's an embarrassment for them that they, they're going to have to come back with their tail between the legs and admit to their fan base that they messed up. Elliot Johnson, you are the best. I appreciate your time, man. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours, and I will uh, talk to you very soon after the first of the year. Happy holidays, Adam. Thanks, you got man. It. Elliot Johnson, uh, he is outstanding. This is the Adam Gold Show. So when I was looking to transfer, it was um, a lot of one-on-one, and it didn't feel like I got lost in a huge university because I knew that if I came here, there was going to be someone I could talk to about every aspect of the courses I needed to take, but also, too, I loved the smaller classroom sizes, and I liked how interactive and immersive all of the learning was going to be. It wasn't just going to be me sitting in a room with a couple hundred people and a professor who didn't know my name. To find out more about transferring to William Peace University, visit peace.edu.